Hi, Tony Campolo here, welcoming you across the pond. That's the name of the show, From Across the Pond, because we put the show together here on the east coast of the United States. We use the studios of Cabrini University, which is across the street from Eastern University. That's where I've taught for more years, and I like to mention. And uh, Shane is a graduate of that school, and we still use uh, the offices of Eastern University as one of the offices of the Red Letter Christians Movement. It's like that old cartoon where they go, uh, what are we going to do today? And, the, and they go, same thing we do every day, try to take over the world. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, listen, uh, the, uh, uh, the thing is that we promote the Red Letter Christians Movement. Uh, please go to our website and uh, find out what we're all about. We're people who, in fact, uh, are criticized because we emphasize the words of Jesus. That's an interesting thing to be condemned for. They say, you act as though the rest of the Bible is unimportant. Quite the opposite. We believe that all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that the people who wrote that wonderful set of books, the the uh, Bible, were inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit to write a book that was... Uh, and is an infallible guide for faith and practice. Mm. So uh, we take the Bible seriously. We believe in the doctrines of the Apostles' Creed. We believe that people need to be called into a personal, transformative relationship with the resurrected Jesus. Mm. But insofar as they surrender to Christ and invite Christ into their lives, they will not become nice boys and girls necessarily. They will become radical Christians following a Jesus who was so radical that they put him on a cross in order to silence him, only to realize in the end that the crucified Jesus became the resurrected resurrected Jesus, who is alive in the world today, invading people who will surrender to him. And as his spirit takes cold in our lives, he makes us into radical instruments for justice, radical instruments of love, mm. for justice is nothing more than love translated into social policies, mm. where people we Red Letter Christians are people who take environmentalism seriously, who take a, a peace seriously, who take nonviolence seriously. Uh, I often get asked a question that I'm sure you might get asked, uh, Shane, and you might comment on this as you take off on this show. Uh, okay, you're, you're committed to nonviolence, but suppose somebody breaks into your house with a gun and uh, is uh, uh, ready to rape your wife and kill you uh, do you just stand by and let that happen, or or do you uh, act in some way? Uh, what's your response to that question? Because <laughs> well, I get asked it all the time. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I it's interesting because that that uh, uh, question gets asked a lot. In fact, it gets asked so much that I have it in the back of my book as a frequently asked question. You know, <laughs> um, but I came up with this scenario um, of. What uh, two different ways that this whole story could unfold? You know, one is if I tried to use violence. The other is if I tried other nonviolent means. And here's the deal: is I have no idea what I would do if someone broke into my house like that. But what I hope um, is that I am rooted enough in Jesus and the Spirit that I would respond out of that space, and hopefully with the creativity of Jesus, because I think Jesus is always interacting with violence in stunningly like creative ways. Um, so I don't know what I would do, um, but I, I certainly would, would uh, am committed to not using violence. And I, I, you know, I think that the best that we can do in a violent scenario is um, put our lives in the way 
of yeah. nonviolence or uh, in the way of violence. As Jesus said, greater love is no one than this than to lay down their life for another. But I think that the minute that we try to use violence to counter violence, we perpetuate the very cycle that we're trying to stop. And so we participate in that kind of fire of violence in the world. So um, I'm convinced that Jesus is teaching us another way. The other thing is, like, I've had these conversations with these cool, like, neuroscience people that talk about the, how the brain works. Uh-huh. And they say that our brain gets, the way, the way that they describe it, they said in common language, is that it gets ruts. So that, like, ditches that we're, you know, our brain waves go through so that we are, and that, that's why they said the older you get, the harder it, and I'm not busting on you, Tony, yeah, but yes, the harder it is yes, to think are. outside the box, you know? <laughs> and that's why young people are so imaginative and creative. But they said one of the ways that our, our mind gets conditioned is, is in the way that we interact with violence. And um, they said every criminologist can tell you that, and neuroscientists can tell you that the brain is conditioned when, you, when you're confronted with violence— it, you're you're conditioned to respond in two ways, fight or flight, to run or to fight. Um, and uh, what what I am really convinced of is that Jesus is teaching us a third way, right? That that we can interact with kind of courageous nonviolence that is not fleeing, but that is not mirroring that violence. And there's some great examples of how that's worked around the world historically with movements, but there's also, like, there's a book called Is There No Other Way by Michael Nagler, and he talks about violent encounters like the one where you described where people actually respond in um, wild and different ways and they disarm or they create a hiccup in the matrix kind of thing, you know, where, where that whole system begins to unfold in, in different ways. And, you know, this recent uh, attack on the bridge in London, you know, we saw someone that didn't, you know, that we always hear the, the only solution to a bad guy with a gun is a a good guy with a gun, but in this situation, it was like a fire extinguisher and a whale. Uh, you know, they, they, they <laughs> the tusk of a whale. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the only answer to a, uh, you know, bad guy with a knife is a, a whale tusk, apparently. But yeah, so, um, but I, you know, I, I do think that, that we have to be willing to take risks for nonviolence, just as we've taken risks for violence. And that may mean that we die. I mean, people have died for war and i think that many of the martyrs and saints they um died as witnesses of the love of jesus um and so kind of the question for me is like do we want to die with a a, a weapon in our hand or with a cross in our hand and and i i hope that i would choose the cross uh, the uh, reality is that uh, a woman out in california this made news a man broke into her apartment with a gun uh, threatening to kill her and rape her and before he could do anything, she said, could you just give me a moment? And she began to talk to him, talk to him about Jesus, talk to him about uh, the book that she had just read uh, about Jesus, and uh, talked him down. And by the time uh, the thing was over, the guy had his head bowed in prayer mm-hmm. and was accepting Jesus as his personal Savior and was transformed by that whole encounter. Mm-hmm. The idea of trying to talk about Jesus when somebody's got a gun on you, and in this case, this woman, ready to be raped, uh, was able to talk about Jesus. Mm. And instead of pleading for her own life, uh, pled that this man consider what was happening to him 
and what Jesus would say to him? And did he believe that Jesus was right there in the room with them? Uh, I mean, that's startling. Yeah. But the idea there, of there talking a... down violence is something that she lived out in that existential situation. It's, and we don't hear a lot of those stories. You know, there was another one that was high profile in our news of a, of a um, it was, I believe, a high school coach that embraced a young man that was coming armed into the classroom of the school and without any weapons was able to um, really meet him where he was at and, and disarm his hostility. I was on a panel on gun violence, and I tell a little bit of this uh, um, in our book, Beating Guns, but there was a pastor that an armed man came into their church um, uh, ready to shoot folks up. And um, he's and really what could be said is no other than nothing other than a kind of charismatic move of the spirit. They invited this young man to the altar um, uh, to pray and were able to disarm that kind of violent heart and to really uh, he embraced him and they prayed for him. And I mean, they certainly took precautions, you know, as well. But like, I think as we think of that, um, there, there's, there's some deep principalities and powers at work when someone is doing something so horrific. And so, um, you know, not every story ends well, but we certainly have to tell the stories of folks that um, choose to move out of the spirit of love and nonviolence and not just out of the spirit of uh, fear and violence that drives so much of our culture. And I think you can look at history and argue that violence works uh, to solve problems and that violence fails. And you can look and say nonviolence has worked and nonviolence has failed. But the question for all of us that follow Jesus is, which looks the most like Jesus and the way of, of Christ? And, and, and that's a nonviolence. Philip Yancey. Uh, told me this incredible story. I just got to take him out for a cheesesteak. Oh, did you? Yeah, he came to visit. <laughs> <laughs> did he come to visit you? Yeah, and we, we went. I took him to my favorite little and he Philly cheesesteak And he didn't joint. even give me a telephone call, and I'm supposed to be his friend. <laughs> I would have taken you, too. Oh, yeah, you should have called me. <laughs> but Philip Yancey uh, talks about uh, uh, having a, a man uh, out to dinner. And the man was, uh, during World War II, a participant in the Battle of the Bulge, that very famous battle mm. uh, that decided the outcome of World War II. And uh, he was part of a team that was sent out every morning when the uh, sun rose, uh, a team that went out to see if there were any Nazi soldiers who had been wounded and left behind, and then to kill them. And he talks about uh, the mm. fact that he came upon this one uh, Nazi soldier who was so dissipated, just worn out, mm. couldn't go on anymore, leaning against a tree. Mm. And he raised his gun and was about to kill him. And when the man said, could you, in perfect English, could you give me a moment to pray? Mm. And uh, this American soldier said, are you a Christian? And this Nazi soldier said, yes, I am. And they sat down. And he opened the Bible, and they talked about some passages of Scripture together, and they prayed together. And the man took out his wallet and showed him photographs of his family, and uh, the American soldier pulled out his wallet and showed him pictures of his family, and suddenly this man was humanized, mm. and suddenly this wasn't the enemy. Uh, suddenly this man was, was just an, a brother in Christ. Mm. And uh, so uh, Philip began asking the question, well, what did you do? What did you do? He said, well, I did what I was ordered to do. I stood up, I raised my gun, and I said to him, you're a Christian, 
I'm a Christian. I'll see you in heaven. And I shot him. Mm. When he told me that story, I was stunned. How do you do that? And yet, that's the way in which we all function. We exercise violence because we do not treat the person at the other end at the gun as a human being. And when somebody the is gun treated, or, the, or the death penalty, like yeah. right now as we're recording this show, there's another execution in Tennessee from a governor that claims to be Christian yeah. and is praying the day of the execution. You know, and you're like, he's getting ready to kill someone. And, and if he was in the prison cell, he'd probably pray with the guy and say, "Okay, our time's up. Yeah, uh, let's go." There's a wonderful story uh, that Chuck Colson told about uh, taking a group of people into a church group into a prison uh, to uh, conduct a worship service. And when they were checking out, one of the persons in the group uh, was not there, Mm. uh, was not checking out. And they hurried back to see what had happened. And they found this man in the cell with this other man who was a prisoner, and they were praying together. And Chuck said, I I said, what are you doing? You're ruining the privileges that we have of coming in here to bring the gospel to these prisoners. What are you doing? And the guy that had come with the Christian group said, please give us a minute or two more. Mm. Uh, This man is sentenced to death. I'm Judge Brewer. Mm. I am the one who sentenced him to death. Mm. And uh, we need to pray together and forgive one another for what we've done. Mm. Whoa, Mm. whoa, Mm. to get to know a person to pray with a person and to realize the humanity of the person that we're about to uh, execute, uh, uh, to recognize that capital punishment is not the way to go, Mm. uh, that in fact violence is not the way to live. Uh, Those who live by the sword, said Jesus, will die by the sword. So uh, that's a couple. There are a couple of stories I thought I'd pass on. Those are good on. stories. I got one more, but we should uh, we should stop and just say thanks for for joining us. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. Uh, we don't have any guests this week, so we just get to talk to each other. And we've had a couple of good sermons in the in the first uh, fifteen minutes of the show here. But the the uh, we've been talking a little bit about nonviolence. There's one story that I can't um, uh, keep from telling because it's of a friend of ours. It's uh, uh, one of our mutual friends between Tony and I's David Black. Uh, one of the great presidents of Eastern University. He's now at uh, Lakeland University. Uh, but he, his uh, daughter-in-law um, lived with us at The Simple Way, and she had a knife pulled on her when she was on the train. And this guy came up to her, and he said, uh, uh, pulled a knife, and he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to give me your bag and get off at the next stop and not say anything. And she's from... Um, uh, her family uh, is, is from down in uh, South America, and like she's she's just grown. She's the daughter yeah, of a missionary. Yeah, and she's she's a, a fireball, you know. Yeah. And so she said, "Listen here, uh, my bag's full of pictures of my family um, and in Brazil, and um, you know it's got pictures and things that are meaningful to me. There's no money in the bag, nothing that you would want, but uh, I, I'm guessing you need money, and I got a little bit in my pocket. So here's what we're gonna do: I'm gonna give you twenty dollars. You must need it." I hope you use it for good. And then you get off at the next stop and we won't say anything. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened, you know? And I just think of that, like, fearlessness. I mean, that's part of what I think we, we, the space that we need to move out of. And yet, like, 
you know, not hunker down to evil, but also not uh, not not uh, mirror act out of a space of violence either. So, and Jesus said, "Love your enemies, and perfect love casteth out fear." Yeah, it's station break time. So tell the people who we are. Yeah, so uh, we're Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne, and you can go to our website, redletterchristians.org. There's a place there where you can uh, sign a little commitment of your own life uh, to live out red-letter Christianity, to live a life of justice and Jesus in the world. Um, You'll find all kinds of stuff there. One of the great uh, things is that we've launched this whole movement in the UK. So there's uh, an amazing group of leaders over there. Tony and I have been over, uh, uh, not just to speak, but to listen and to see all the wonderful things happening in the UK and around the world. There's a movement of Christians who want uh, the church to look like Jesus again. And we're very concerned about what uh, has uh, kind of camouflaged itself as Christianity uh, so often, but doesn't look like Jesus very much. And that movement is led by Ash Barker. Yeah, and, and Sally Mann and Ke- Mick Kane. We've got all kinds of great folks yeah. over there in the and UK. They ha- and, and you can go to the website if you're British, uh, org dot uk and get a specific uh, story about what's going on in the united kingdom and those of you who are over there you brits you can join the movement in the united kingdom yeah, and once and, again redletterchristians.org.uk here's one of the really uh, great things that we just launched together to show you that this is sort of an uh, getting international momentum too is people always ask me telling you they go like well where is there a place where i can find all of these uh, uh, micro-businesses that are doing really beautiful work, like, uh, you know, um, uh, this kind of missional businesses that are out there. They hubbed anywhere, and I kept we kept looking around, didn't find it, so we created it. We created uh, a new initiative. This is our newest thing we started, which is re- uh, the Red Letter marketplace. And you can see businesses like the one that I'm, I'm a part of here that takes guns and makes garden tools out of them and other beautiful things. So Raw Tools is on there. You'll see the Preemptive Love Coalition over in Syria and in Iraq. They have hired refugee families to make soaps and to make handmade products. And um, one of the friends of Ash and Ange Barker there in the UK, her name is uh, Pooh. And she's a cook, so she's got a book called Cooking with Poo. And she has this wonderful culinary school that is hiring women in one of the the, the most troubled neighborhoods in Thailand, uh, in Klong Toy. So you you can see all over the world these little businesses, Thistle Farms, that's rescued women that have been abused, and they're creating these wonderful products. So you can see that at the Red Letter Marketplace. And it's a great place to uh, get gifts for, for folks and know that you're supporting really beautiful businesses around the world. And Ash Barker, of course, is uh, headquartered at Newbegin House in Birmingham, uh, England. And uh, uh, his ministry is stretching all over the world, but uh, it is primarily focused in Newbegin House. And he teaches a little bit at uh, the Nazarene Bible College. Yeah, yeah and he's, they're about discipleship and formation. They're uh, living a beautiful little community. I sometimes think if we had done the simple way that we do in North Philly, our community uh, is really a, uh, like almost exactly the same spirit there in Birmingham, except they have alpacas. Yeah. They've got, well. <laughs> and they, you know, they're taking, instead of guns, they're taking knives. And Ange is now making jewelry out of uh, knives. And she said, I think we're going to call it cutting edge jewelry. Yeah. You know? 
course. So. And, and the knives, of course, are confiscated by the police. They, are, they get them from the police stations. Uh, they are confiscated by the police because over there, uh, knifing people is as common as it is uh, killing people with guns over here in the United States. Uh, they do things more surgically over yeah, there with knives. Heart-wrenching because as you hear these stories, the, you, you get the sense that the grief and the trauma and the pain is the same no matter whether it happens from a gun or a knife. And so we have had those pu- same kind of public demonstrations just honoring the the pain of the victims of gun violence. But we've also transformed that into hope. So we created the Knife Phoenix, you know, this beautiful, incredible piece of art that's made out of the amnesty knives, the confiscated knives. And we made a, for Sally and Mann and their, their community in East London, we made a dung beetle, yeah. <laughs> the giant beetle uh, yeah. made out of knives. So... But, you know, we're, we're about creativity. I like how, you know, our friend Brian McLaren says, we need people that are not just protesting, but are protestifying, that are proclaiming um, what, how the world can be made right again, that are not just preaching about all the things that are wrong, but that are proclaiming um, the hope and the redemption of the world that Jesus talks so much about. We're so committed to social justice, and people sometimes get the idea that we have forgotten that uh, uh, Jesus also uh, made a strong point out of uh, being converted, of becoming new creations. Mm. Uh, that uh, when Jesus came into the world, he came into the world not just uh, to uh, die on the cross, but to create a people through whom he could change the world from what it is into the kind of world that God wants it to be. Mm. He came declaring, quote unquote, the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, the kingdom of God. He came, and this always surprises people, not only to get people into heaven when they die, but to declare a new social order here in this world. And he gave that new social order the name, the kingdom of God. And he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth uh, as it is in heaven. Uh, this is so crucial to the whole Red Letter Christians movement. So go to our website, check us out, and become kingdom people, become red-letter Christians, sign on where it says, do you want to become a red-letter Christian? And you can sign on in, in that respect. Uh, the red-letter Christian movement is uh, is moving across the United Kingdom and, yay, around the world. You and I'll be over there a few times. I, I think I'm teaming up with the Archbishop, uh, Justin Welby, who is a red-letter Christian. And, yeah. uh, and, and the, uh, there's, there's all kinds of beautiful things happening over there uh, in the U.K. and around the world. So... Um, so if you haven't joined the movement, uh, jump on. And if you're a speaker or a writer, then uh, bring your wisdom to our blog and websites over there in the UK and here in the US. Yeah. Uh, now, we're coming towards the end of the program. But let me just say, we're promoting a movement. We're not just promoting uh, an idea here and an idea there. But all these things are coalescing around the Red Letter Christians movement. And our website, again, is redletterchristians.org. And then if you're in the U.K., go to redletterchristians.org.uk. And we hope to uh, expand this thing to New Zealand and to Australia because we're getting uh, word from people down there. We want the Red Letter Christians movement operative in our country as well. Uh, We broadcast from Eastern University and Cabrini University, two universities that are built on Christ, uh, located just outside of Philadelphia in St. David's, Pennsylvania. Uh, So uh, 
be sure to promote our universities as well, particularly Eastern University, where my life has been spent as a teacher. Um, uh, Shane, your latest book is what? Uh, Beating? Yeah, Beating Guns is uh, our book that's literally uh, taken the words of Jesus, or the words of the prophets, Mike and Isaiah, they shall beat their swords into plows and spears into pruning hooks. So it's about... Uh, the symbolism and the depth of imagining a world uh, where we stand for life and, and don't tolerate death anymore. Um, and uh, uh, we, we also have a, there's a, a, a new book of uh, an Advent devotional that came out too that um, you can see some of that on our website too because we've got these reflections. One of the things that we have are Advent reflections for the period leading up to Christmas and, and you know right after. But we've also got weekly wake-ups where folks are writing um, morning devotionals. So um, it really is a movement. And we, we like to say it's a web of subversive friends because we're all really longing for the world to look more like Jesus. And we know that that begins with us. I subversive like, uh, friends. You know, that fits in so well with Scripture because we are called, and I'm quoting Scripture here, to destroy the works of the devil. Mm. Oh, that's what we're out to do. Shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves. Yeah, there we are, the people of God trying to stand against the forces of darkness. For brothers and sisters, hear me out as we close out the program. We wrestle not just against flesh and blood, i.e. the sins of the flesh. We wrestle not just against flesh and blood, says Ephesians 6.12, but against principalities and powers and rulers in high places. Thanks for listening.